North Carolina finally got a double-double, but it was not who you thought it was. In fact, it was the opposite of who you would think it would be. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, and joining me as he does every Wednesday is this guy, Coach Pack Kilby. We want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that the show is free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure you don't miss a second with your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Pack Carolina is 3-0, but it is a underwhelming 3-0, I think we might say. Carolina, I wouldn't say escapes, but holds on for a 72 to 66 victory over Gardner Webb on Tuesday night. Quite frankly, it was an uninspiring performance from coach Davis's team. I mean, at the end of the day, you're three and oh, and you want to keep putting wins up. Um, but let's start here. I'll just be definitive about it. This is not the number one team in the nation right now. Agree or disagree. Totally agree. Why so? Um, well, you know, I, when I think of the number one team in the nation, I think of a team that, you know, first of all, takes care of business the way that they're supposed to. Um, And to me, you know, one of the things that really stands out is just sluggish first halves. And it seems like, okay, they go to the locker room and Coach Davis challenges them. He's like, we got to be tougher and we got to be smarter and we got to be sharper with the ball. And then they come out and they clean it up and we do what we're supposed to do. But why does it take that to get to where we want to be? Yes. Um, Yeah. And to me, I, if you're if you're dealing with the number one team in the country, it doesn't take that, right? It's so that's a, a you know just a concern of mine. And then you know a lot of a lot of my concerns are just we don't seem to be um, gelling kind of like I thought we would this early in the year. Um, you know the fast break points just haven't been there. And I know that we're this isn't Roy Williams. This is a, a slower paced team. And Hubert has shown he operates in a slower capacity, but still two, two fast break points in this game. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like we're flowing very well. And uh, we're doing things that good basketball teams do. Um, so it's early, you know, a lot of things are going to change. We're definitely going to improve, but there are some things that's just like, you know, we're not the best team in the country right now. And that's okay. We have time. Exactly. And I think that's the most important point of that is that I don't think Carolina is the number one team in the country right now. And I think the only reason that's disappointing is because you expected it. You expected, as you just said, this team to be more fully formed and fully gelled, like coming out of the womb, if you'll allow me a birth metaphor. And it's just not the case, be it in the transfer portal era, it's harder for teams to gel quickly, whatever it is, if it's hey, this team, as a reminder, is going to play differently with Pete Nance and with Brady Manning because of the differing skill sets. Both are great basketball players, but they do it differently. Um, And something you and I have talked about is that that part of that difference is that it almost 
feels more like a Roy Williams type team with Pete Nance rather than Brady Manick in the starting lineup. I think um, Nance floats out to the perimeter more than like say Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks as a duo in the front court. But you know, it, it's probably about the same as like, well, even less maybe than like Luke May would have done. Right. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of that vibe where it's, it's not at all like last year's. And so there's, there's things to get figured out. What are you seeing about how that, that difference is affecting the cohesion so far? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think it's, it's a lot, like you said, it's Nance and Baycott op- operating, you know, within that 15 foot range of the basket. And first of all, you know, a lot of Nance's touches come back to the basket in that like short mid post area and one of the things that stands out to me is they're doubling off a lot because mm-hmm. Baycott is not going to stretch the floor and vice versa. You know, Baycott catches it in the mid post. Well, Nance hasn't stretched the floor quite like Brady did. So uh, they're able to double off on the post. And uh, I think that's part of the problem with why Baycott hasn't looked quite you know like he did last year. Um, is because there's not as much operating space. Right. Uh, but then to flip that around, because we've got two you know guys that operate so close to the basket, um, there's not as much operating space for our guards either. Um, so the driving lanes are a little clogged up. And when that happens, I, I just don't feel yeah. like we're getting a lot of paint touches. We're getting a lot of you know inside out, kick out, catch and shoot threes, uh, which are efficient shots. And we just haven't got – as many of those so far. And so I wouldn't be surprised, Isaac, if we saw, if we started to see maybe a rotation with Baycott or Nance off the floor and get a little bit more guard heavy. I think Uh, so. That's exactly where I was going to go with that. Yeah, Like to me, it's at least early in the season while Nance and Baycott are still trying to figure out how to make room for themselves and for the guards, your most efficient lineup might be, Love Davis Trimble, Leaky Black, and either Nance or Baycott, or those three and Nickel and Nance or Baycott, or once Puff, you know, the, any of that type of combination at this point might be your most lethal, like Golden State Warriors type uh, lineup. Uh, that that small ball killer kind of thing. I think you're right on with that, and so I, I think the thing for me is that similar to last year. This is not a fully formed team. And that's awesome. To me, as as both somebody who studies and watches the game of basketball, and then just as a basketball fan, I love to see a team that is not yet fully formed, that we get to watch that progression over the course of a season. Now, hopefully it's more fully formed than last season's team was, and you're not getting blown out by 20 points multiple times throughout the season. But for me... I would like to withhold judgment until we see what happens out in Portland, until we see what happens in Bloomington the week after Thanksgiving. I would like to hold judgment until I see what this team is once Puff Johnson has had a couple weeks back with the team, which we found out on Monday that it sounds like he'll be back in Portland. He was dressed uh, for the game against Gardner-Webb. I'd like to wait and see what this team looks like with Jalen Washington into the mix and into the fold. And then I think we're going to learn more about what that looks like. What, as a coach, Pac, what, what do you like to see from a team, maybe even teams you've coached in terms of that, that season long progression? 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. If we came out looking like we were peaking right now, I would actually, I would argue maybe there's more cause for concern um, because now we have so much to strive for. We have so much to work towards. And I much prefer that as to, hey, we, you know, we're playing our best ball in November and December. That's not going to bring home a national championship trophy. You know, we've seen it time and time again. There's been the Kentucky Wildcats of the world look really, really good in November and December. And what are they doing in March? They're sitting at home watching the Tar Heels play in the Final Four. So they um, didn't look really good last night. And <laughs> Michigan State taking down the Kentucky yeah, Wildcats. That's right. Crazy uh, in the Champions Classic. But no, I, I hear your point. Um, I, I've heard you use a phrase before about like what, like where we're at right now versus like what we can be. What is that phrase that you use? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of times, and I talk about this with our own kids in, in my profession, but um, who we are versus where we are hmm. you know, right now, we're not who we are, who we are will be determined in February uh, when things are more settled and the rotation becomes locked in and the flow is just there. Uh, right now is where we are, right? We know where we are. We know what's wrong. We know what's got to be fixed. We know what we're evaluating to get better and uh, what we're striving for. And so where we are is in a place of we need improvement. And there's tons of areas for growth. But who we are will be revealed in February. And I have a pretty good feeling that we'll be in a good spot when that comes around. Absolutely. That's well said. But where we are right now certainly has uh, some caution that we're watching for, some concern. And so Coach Davis, after the game on Tuesday night, talked about some yellow flags. And so that's exactly where Pac and I are going to go next, is looking at some yellow flags that we see with this team. But before we get there, let me remind you that today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, so why not give it a try? Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skill set and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. Listen, you want to finish the year strong and the right new hire can help you do exactly that. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Pat. So let's talk about some of the things we've been watching for, because at this point, when you're three games in, some of these things that we saw pop up in game one that were a little bit concerning, you don't want to, you just, at that point, it's like, hey, that's a small sample size. That's not a trend yet, right? But now we get to the point where three games in, some of these things have have shown themselves over the course of, of these first three games. And so what I want to do is say, here's a yellow flag. Is it something you're concerned about? Or is it, or are you not concerned about it? And I, I want us to answer that. So here's where I want to start. The very first thing before we get into that, I also want to remind you to check out Locked On Sports today for your second listen. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. 
All right, Pat, here's the first one. Team rebounding. Carolina lost the rebounding battle in game one, 37-32 against Charleston, 35-32. They won it tonight, or excuse me, last night against Gardner-Webb, but by a grand total of 40-38. to So I don't even know if we're calling that a win when you're out rebounding Gardner-Webb by two. But when it comes to rebounding, are you majorly concerned, mildly concerned, not concerned at all? I'm mildly concerned. Um, I think there's certainly an argument to be made for majorly concerned, uh, especially considering, you know, Gardner-Webb. I I don't think they had a player above six foot nine on their roster. And we have two near seven footer NBA caliber players and Leakey and Justin McCoy and all these guys that should be good at rebounding the ball. And we're just, for some reason, we're barely winning the rebounding margin or losing that rebounding margin. So um, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about that. Uh, however, with things like that, uh, you know, rebounding to me is like an effort thing. It's a heart thing. Hmm. And I know that if anyone's going to demand that, it's going to be Hubert Davis. So I, that's why I say mildly concerned. I think that's something we will see improve shortly, uh, you know, over the next few games. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been interesting for me to watch, even though like what Armando is doing rebounding and we'll talk about his double doubles in a second is great for most people. Nine, six and nine. Right. Like for a lot of people, it's like, man, great job, buddy. Good rebounding for Armando. It's like, well, you can roll out of bed and get nine rebounds if you're Armando. Um, And so that it's so it's odd to me. One of the nice things, though, is that you seeing the backcourt digging in and helping out. Caleb Love had nine against yep. um, against College of Charleston. RJ had, RJ Davis had ten against Gardner Webb, and so it's nice to see those guys sticking their noses in. Especially when you got multiple people, basically anybody on the floor other than Armando can run the break. And so even if RJ goes to get a rebound, he could outlet to Pete Nance for all I care and get going. And yep. so yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm mildly concerned. Um, it's just, I think it's just disconcerting because it's typically such a staple for Carolina teams, even a Hubert Davis coach team. It's not like it was different last year in year one for him. And so I, I think that's just what's weird about it. Let's stay in the same vein. Armando Baycott does not have a double-double yet this season. In fact, R.J. Davis just recorded the first double-double for a Tar Heel this year on Tuesday night. Now, Armando's come very close. He was one rebound away against UNC Wilmington. He was one rebound away last night against Gardner-Webb. Are you not concerned at all, mildly concerned, or majorly concerned? Let's just say about, I'm couching it in Armando's double-doubles, but just in his performance in general. Yeah, this is something I'm majorly concerned about. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, put distrust on him or, um, you know, lack of confidence. I think he's an amazing player. Where I'm actually kind of concerned is I'm wondering if his injury is still lingering. Bingo. Um, I think so. I, he just doesn't look the same right now. Yep. Um and I'll say this, too. I think he is pushing the envelope a little bit. He seems like he's forcing it, and he's really trying to show that he can put the ball on the floor and that he can stretch the floor. And let's just – let's be real about it. That's not where he's best. And a couple of times I've thought he's trying to put it on the floor and he's just kind of lost his footing or he's lost control of the ball or he's came up short on his jump shot. And he just 
I don't know. He just doesn't look 100% to me on his ankle, and it looks like he's pushing the envelope a little bit as far as trying to show all the things that he's expanded in his game. And I just want to see him get back to the basics. And if he can do that, then I'm not concerned. Um, But he's got to be willing to do that, and we got to put him in a spot to do that. So hopefully that happens and we start to see that improvement for him. What do you think? I'm I'm right there with you. I think – I hope there's nothing physically wrong with him. I don't want to assume that, right? But something is clearly off, whether it's timing, maybe it's him putting pressure on himself. We've seen that with some, like, think about Marcus Page's senior year. It just wasn't kind of the year he had other years. He had, he started that season hurt, as I recall. Um, but like, man, something has got to change with Mondo. I, I am, I am big time concerned about that. Something's got to give for Carolina to be what it needs to be. Okay, Pete Nance had not really done all that much. Now, I'm talking about like statistical production. He's been a great leader. He's been communicating and talking and giving a little bit. But then on Tuesday night, the blow up, particularly in the first half, I think the jammed pinky affected him in the second half. So we're just going to kind of cast that aside. But um Based on what you saw, let's ask it this way. Is Pete Nance, his first half of the Gardner-Webb game, is that what we're actually going to see? Or was that the exception to the rule of what we've seen the first couple games? I think maybe somewhere in between. Okay. Um, But I think it's going to be a lot more like last night's game than the previous. He finally looked comfortable. Uh, We've known statistics don't lie. And – you know, when he got to Carolina, although it wasn't a huge sample size, he was above 40% from the three-point line. Last season, that's right. He's, he's capable, right? He's capable of shooting the ball. He just was off to a slow start. And and that's you know, Brady did the same thing last year. Yep, for sure. And so I think, you know, now that Nance is kind of getting comfortable and he's gelling with these guys and chemistry is developing, I think we'll see him do more more like he did last night for us. Um I'll I'll say this too, you know, I mean, just the way he shot the ball paired with the way Leakey is shooting the ball and and an improvement there, that's going to stretch some defenses if those two can sustain that. Uh, And maybe, you know, by attrition, they make up for or close, come close to make up for what we lost in Brady. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, there's two more I want to hit. Let's do them quickly and keep going. The first of which is three-point shooting. And and I think part of that is what we're just talking about there with uh, missing Brady. Carolina has now hit two, five, and eight threes in their first three games. Uh, I think we would have expected more out of that, at least like one double-digit made three-pointers game. Are you not concerned, mildly concerned, majorly concerned? I'm mildly concerned. Um, I think the staff will make some adjustments that, to me, threes come from getting to the lane and collapsing the defense and then spraying the ball around. So uh, we got to find ways that we can do that more effectively. I think we will see that come over time. Um, You already noticed, you know, two, five, and eight. So there's an uptick in those numbers. We just need to keep that upticking. And I think that we will. Yep. and that's just, you know, to me, it's just a matter of adjustments, clearing the lane a little bit, let the guards get downhill, and then play off of that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of that's going to be RJ and Caleb heating up, which boy, howdy Caleb did at the beginning of the second half. Uh, the last one turnovers, Carolina for Carolina teams has not had that many turnovers, nine, eight, and 10 in their first three games. However, you and I have both noticed that several of them have been quite sloppy and the numbers could be fewer than they already are. Not concerned, mildly concerned, concerned. Um, I'm going to go mildly again. You know, I think it's just a um, maybe a little bit of playing down to the competition uh, mixed in with a little carelessness or, hey, we got this in the bag. You know, I don't have to be perfect tonight or what. I don't know what it is, but it just feels like there's just been a few just careless or lackadaisical just turnovers. And um, to me that, you know, that doesn't scare me now because we could play bad and beat Gardner Webb, in my opinion. It scares me. We did for, play bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did play bad and beat Gardner Webb. So it scares me for the Phil Knight Invitational. It scares me for Indiana, for Michigan, for the ACC. I would like to see us clean those things up over the next few weeks. Okay, we'll watch for that at James Madison. Now, for those of you who often watch the show, you know that all our basketball recaps, as a way to honor Dean Smith, we have our Four Corners recap, and that's exactly what we're going to do. But first, let me tell you that this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, and it is your number one source for all of that. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, they've got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. It's always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, so how we're going to do our Four Corners recap, since we've got both Pack and I on, we're each going to give you two things that really stood out to us in a big way in this game. And then, of course, we got to get to my shady stat of the game because we can't move on without that. So, Pack, why don't I go first? Ah, tricky. You thought I was going to tell you to go first. I'm <laughs> going to go first. And what I'm going to look at is Mr. Seth Tremble. We've talked about his defense, his on-ball defense, and how phenomenal it is. We saw that again tonight. I mean, he just is so good about moving his feet, being up in a guy. He's not worried about getting blown by because he's so stinking quick, and I just love to see it. But there was a play that stood out to me tonight, uh, or excuse me, on Tuesday night, that was even more impressive. He got stuck down in the post. There was like seven minutes left in the second half. You can go back and watch it. Um, I, I can't remember if it was against another guard or if it was against one of Gardner Webb's um, front court guys. But, you know, for those who know about post defense, as long as you maintain verticality, you're good and you will not get whistled for a foul. It's when you start to, to roof over that you get called. I don't know that I have ever seen someone stay more vertically upright than Seth Trimble did in that moment to not try to block the shot, uh, to not come down it's so easy to come down he just stayed immediately straight up making himself as tall as he could and so as to not be whistled for a foul it ultimately disrupted the shot and Carolina came down with the rebound it's a small thing but it's stuff like that 
that is just some of those little tweaks that make the difference in a long season here or there. So my first takeaway is that Seth Trimble's defense is not just about guarding man on ball. He knows how to play that post defense as well. Pac, what's your first one? I'm going to piggyback right there off of you and talk about altering shots and just how well Pete Nance does that. You know, Mm, uh, tonight came out hot in the first half. He had three blocks. But what really stood out to me was not just the block shots that he had, but every time, you know, someone was attacking the rim. It felt like Nance had their hand right there around it, and he was just altering the way that they could finish. And I bet you he forced somewhere between seven and ten missed layups tonight just by, you know, being there, being a presence, using his length and forcing uh, offensive players to shoot over him. And so, to me, that's, you know, that's what he brings that, you know, Brady really couldn't. You know, we talk a lot about what we lost in shooting, but, man, what we gained defensively, uh, is is promising in, in what Nance has delivered so far. Absolutely. I wish there was a more quantifiable way to statistically keep tabs on altered shots, but it's just like, because it's such a mental thing, I know there's no way to do it, but I'd love to see uh, that type of number. Oh, well. Yeah. Okay. My second one is this. We've heard all off season, coach Davis go, on and on and on about using depth and that being his desire this year. But so far, that hasn't played itself out as much as we hoped. Let me give you the numbers specifically from the Gardner-Webb game. Leakey played under – this is – let me give you the threshold. Pack and I have talked a lot about we'd love to see these starters at least down around the 30-minute mark. Love to get them underneath that a little bit. Uh, And Leakey did that in this game, 28. Pete Nance was only 26, but I think that's just a function of him fouling out. Played nine minutes in the second half. I think he certainly would have been over 30 had he not fouled out. But the other three starters, 35 for RJ Davis, 36 each for Caleb and Armando. And you just can't have that. As for, there were five other guys that played, 10 total. Seth Trimble had 15. Nobody else had double digit minutes. And uh, like, and even, I don't even know that Justin McCoy would have played if not for Pete fouling out. Moreover, it's not just about the minutes played. It's also about uh, value added in terms of scoring and other things. Three points from the bench in this game, uh, all from Seth Trimble of free throw and a little floater in the lane. Just, it's got to be more than that. And part of that, I think, is the starters doing a better job of building a bigger lead so that Coach Davis can get the bench in. Frankly, if, if it's me, I think a part of that is Coach Davis just saying, listen, we might take some lumps with this, but let's get some of those guys in and get them more experience. If that means you, you lose a game here or there, so be it, because the depth um, that you gain from those things prepares you for those February, March moments we were talking about. Now, again, Puff's not part of the rotation yet. He will be next week, starting hopefully on Thanksgiving Day against Portland out in Portland, and then Jalen Washington at some point after Portland. And so, again, as I said earlier, I want to reserve um, some of what we're thinking about until we see those guys in action, because as Pac, as you told me before we started recording, we think those are going to be two of the top six, seven, eight guys in the rotation that you're missing from it right now. So I think that's part of the depth too. But for right now, it's not where it needs to be. But as you said, it's not who we are, it's just where we are. All right, what's your last four-corner takeaway? 
I'm going to end on a positive note. With, that's right. Yeah. With Leakey and just his offensive improvement and the confidence he seems to have on that end, man, it's been awesome. You know, last night we saw him attack the paint and hit that little mid-range pull-up jumper there in front of the rim a couple times. Looks smooth. Um, been consistent from the free throw line. He's 60% from three on the year, three for five. It's a small sample size, but we got to hope that continues. And then 15 points, you know, on the six of six shooting night against College of Charleston. So he's he's showing us that he's improved on that end. And, man, I'm telling you, if that stays consistent throughout this season, that just makes us that much tougher. Yeah, and to me, that's a, that's a win-win because we get to see him succeed and we all want that because we love Leakey. You know, we he's he's started his 100th game, so it's almost like we're attached to him at this point. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, what he can do offensively for us, he could really take us to the next level, especially with what he brings defensively. So Absolutely. Boy, it just makes me so happy to see him succeeding on, on the offensive end. Just – it's cool. and listen, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but if he can do more of that, it does big things for his long-term basketball uh, potential following college. And so, man, you love to see that. Now, we can't get out of here, friends, without the shady stat of the game. Got those Ray-Bans on. If you're watching and you're a sunglasses sponsor, you got to give me a call. Let's get this thing put together. The shady stat of the game is this team is going to make a living at the free throw line. You know if you've been uh, paying attention with me that last year's team had the second best team free throw percentage in program history. Carolina last night shot 18 for 21 from the free throw line. That's an incredible number, 85.7% for the game. And as a team on the season, again, small sample size, three games, but 76.4%. That would certainly trump what Carolina did as a team last year. So got to keep doing that. Even Armando had a great night last night at the free throw line. You love to see it. Keep making a living right there at the charity stripe. All right, folks, we are so grateful for you tuning in with us, even the day after a subpar performance from the Tar Heels. Hopefully they'll get back at it against James Madison on Sunday. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up on tomorrow's show, an interview with Carolina offensive lineman Awesome Richards talking about all this great success they've been having. And man, this guy rates as the sixth best offensive tackle in the nation right now. That's going to be awesome. Make sure you tune into that. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow Pac on Twitter at Coach underscore K23 or me at Isaac Shade. Thanks again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen. Now for your second listen, check out Locked on Sports Today. Biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Also, friends, don't forget to subscribe, hit the like button, and comment. Pat Kilby and I want to thank you so much for spending part of your Wednesday with us. We hope you have a great rest of the week, but make sure you keep tuning in because it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace.